Can you stand to your feet this morning? Happy New Year's Eve. Thank you for being here today. How many of you are excited to be here today? How many was made to come because your significant other said, you didn't go to church all year long? And the one guy was like, yeah, it's me. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you. Um, we just want to wish you a happy new year and uh, pray that you have safe celebrations tonight. Don't do anything that um, might be recorded and we might see for the next 10 years on YouTube. So hopefully you're praying in the new year. Um, I want to give a, a word of prophecy over the church. Each year we have a theme where we feel like God's taking us in a particular direction. And so I want to introduce that today. And for those of you who want to jump into the river of this house and partake of the, the, the flow of favor on this house, you can choose to do that today as well. Um, but if you turn in your scripture or if you would uh, look to the screen, Amos chapter 9, <clears throat> verse 11 through 15, Amos is a prophet, a shepherd, uh, a fig farmer, and he's giving Israel um, doom, gloom, punishment, wisdom, and judgment for most of the, uh, the books. And we see one piece of hope as it is prophesying to the, to the future of uh, the coming of Jesus as our Savior. But this is what it says in verse 11. But also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces. I'll repair the holes in the roof, replace the broken windows, and fix it up like new. David's people will be strong again and seize what's left of enemy Edom. Plus everyone else under my sovereign judgment, he will do this. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. You should say that. Yes, indeed, it won't be long now. If we had to organize, say, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, it won't be long now. We don't have an organ, but you did it anyway. I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And I'll plant them, plant them on their own land, and they'll never again be uprooted from the land I've given them. God, your God says so. And every promise of Israel as a new believer, new covenant believer, we have the promises of God that are yes and amen, and we take this promise unto ourselves and let the church say it, amen. amen. So today I want to talk to you uh, from this subject, acceleration into the future, acceleration into the future. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We ask that your word prepare us um, to enter into not just a new year, a new era, a new season, uh, a new walking ground. We prepare our minds and hearts to receive your word so that your word might bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, <clears throat> you could be seated today. Um, for the last few years, couple years, my wife and I have had the opportunity to uh, lead this ministry. And each year, God has kind of given us language for where we are um, as individuals and as a church. So the first year my wife and I <clears throat> took on the leadership role, I called it the year of orientation. That's where we were trying out. You didn't trust us. We didn't trust you. Um, it was good times. Amen. 
Uh, you were figuring out where you're going to go here or somewhere else next week. And one of the pastors told me, hey, what you need to do in this season is don't do anything. Just love people. Just love them. Be stable, be consistent, and be strong. People need to be healed. They need to be loved. And most of the Sundays I was preaching, uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a sermon. It was a tryout. I, I felt like everybody had their cards and they were voting on me. Um, even though they didn't have a vote at the time. I was going to be here whether they liked it or not. But that was the year of orientation. <clears throat> the second year was the year of experimentation of like, hey, let, let's try something, man. Let's, let's do something. But don't do too much. You got to do bullets before bazookas because people can't handle any more change. We went through COVID. Everything changed. People wanted stability. They didn't want anything to change. So we just kept as much as we can and take, took little steps as often as we could. The third year is the year I called the year of evaluation, where um, the people that needed to go on to their next form of destiny went to their next form of destiny, and the people that needed to come, they came, and, and, and there was just a kind of interchanging of people, and the question became, God, is where are we going, what are we doing, and how can we play a part of that? So that's been this year, us just kind of establishing a structure that we can run into. And this year, I believe God has spoken to us that this is going to be the year of acceleration. Because, you know, you got to put gas in the car and have a structure to accelerate or you'll go fast, nowhere, quickly. And so this is the year, I declare over this church, the year of acceleration. What does that mean? Um, perhaps you've heard of a Chinese bamboo. A Chinese bamboo takes five years to grow. It must be watered and fertilized every day for the full five years, but it's never seen. It's always underground for those five years. But after five years, when it breaks through the ground, it can grow 90 feet in five weeks, two to four inches a day. It's interesting because you might see this bamboo spurting up and growing, but, and you think, man, that thing just showed up. It didn't show up, it growed up. It went through some things, it was hidden, and now you're seeing it move quicker than you expected it to, but you weren't around when it was moving really slowly. And I just know that there's some gifts in this house, and people who have been in hiding season, development season, because before you ever proclaim things publicly, God will develop you in private. And we just should thank God for that. Because a blessing before his time is not a blessing. But, but if, if you think I just showed up, I didn't show up, I growed up. Uh, I was in this ministry for 12 years, and I, I probably preached one time a year here. And then when we took over, I start preaching every week. And people are like, oh, he's all right, he's pretty good. But, um, you know... I, I'm from Bakersfield, California, in the, uh, the, somebody clap. God bless you, Bakersfield, huh. home of Buck Owens, let's go. <laughs> Did somebody clap for Buck Owens? Oh, God, happy new year. Okay, 
I'm from there, and I, I used to preach to teddy bears, and they never said amen. So I practiced long before I showed up. I didn't show up. I growed up. I've been preaching before I had a platform. I used to preach in convalescent homes every Christmas I'd go. They would slobber and look at me and pull the chairs. They had no, uh, no other option but to sit there, and I would practice on them, and they would kind of get saved. I'd be like, raise your hand, and then I'd go raise their hand for them. I've been preaching. I didn't show up. I growed up preaching. It's the year of acceleration, and for everything you've invested in these past years and everything God's invested in you, it's going to be a breakthrough season, and things are going to move quicker than you ever expected. In fact, acceleration is not predictable because a, a lot of times as humans what we do is we detect patterns, and then we predict what's happening based off patterns. So if Two people didn't say hi to you on the way here. You saw patterns of people not saying hi, so you said, this is not a very friendly church. If three people said hi to you, you saw patterns and you predicted that this is a friendly church. And so you see patterns and you make predictions. And this is what we've been doing since we are kids. It's like two, four, six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Three, six, nine, twelve, twelve, twelve. <laughs> But God's doing his thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's cool. 20, 40, 60, 80, 10, 20, 30, 40, 30, 60. Wrong in the year of acceleration. Because this is what the scripture says in Mark 4, 20. Seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what has been sown. Because you're not going to be able to predict when God accelerates. So what you thought you could base it off of, you can't base it off of because it's going to be based off God's grace, not what you can predict in your patterns. And so he's going to make things move in ways that you can't imagine. And so you think you can predict God this year, you cannot predict God this year, but you can enjoy what God does in your life. And it's going to be more, it's going to be better, it's going to be beyond your prediction. The Bible said that it won't be long now. Things are going to start happening uh, in, in ways that you can't keep up with it. Blessings, uh, wine, new wine is going to pour off the mountains. And in order for this opportunity to come, we have to prepare for the acceleration. So I want to give three ways to prepare for acceleration today. Number one in your outline, prepare to repair Prepare to repair. Amos 9.11 said, but also on that judgment day, I will restore David's house that has fallen to pieces. Maybe some of you have experienced the falling of a house and have had to go through the pieces this year. But he says, I'll repair the holes in the roof. I'll replace the broken windows and I'll fix it up like new. And David's people will be strong again. Maybe you've seen Chip and uh, Joanna Gaines flipping houses, and I've actually flipped houses uh, for years. And um, one of the things I've learned about flipping houses is the uglier it is, the more potential it has. I don't know if that works with dating, but it could. Um, <laughs> inappropriate. It's fine. It's fine. God loves you. Um, the, the more messed up the house is, you walk in it and, and, and there's tragedy that's happened. You see burnt 
burnt pieces of wood and there's a smell uh, and you imagine that a family once lived there and now this thing has been torn to pieces. Nobody wants it because it's too much work. But you get a vision and faith goes into the future and then God catches you up to the reality of the future. So you have to see beyond the broken pieces to see the possibility of what could be, that this thing still can be more valuable than it's ever been. But you have to have the vision to see the cabinets that are currently burnt, there's going to be new cabinets. And you have to smell an odor in the house that currently doesn't exist. And you have to see the restructure of the house. And you have to be willing to invest and put money you don't know where it came from and time and effort and energy. You know what it takes to flip a house? It takes vision and faith. And I want to encourage you, it takes faith and vision to flip anything. And if you come to something that's broken in your home, it takes faith and vision to flip it. If your children feel broken, you're going to have to put faith in it and say they can be better in Jesus than they currently are acting in this moment. If your relationship's been burnt, it takes faith to flip it. And I'm willing to invest because I know that when God restores a thing, it's more valuable than I could ever imagine. What areas, and I really want to encourage you, I know you've moved on. I know you're on to the next thing, on to the next fight. But write some names down that God brings to your heart and do some repair work. It may be with your children, it may be with your neighbor, it may be with your coworker. But do prepare to repair because when God starts to accelerate you, the things you thought you moved on from are actually going to show up in a much more amplified way if you don't go back to deal with it. Number two, prepare to take responsibility. The scripture said in verse 14, they'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. I like this because he's saying, look, it's going to happen quick. You're going to be blessed, so blessed. But they're going to work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. So you're not just going to get vegetables. You're going to have to work your garden. Which means this. If you pray for blessing, you're also praying for responsibility. And the more blessing you have, the more responsible you become. Not necessarily, but the more responsible you should come. You pray for the blessing of marriage, you're really praying for a responsibility of relationship. You pray for the blessing of kids, you're praying for responsibility. So you have to say, Lord, as you bless me, allow me to respond to your grace by being responsible to the work that you've given me in this season. Luke Chapter 5 talks about these fishermen who didn't catch fish all night. And Jesus saw them, saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now imagine this. They're washing their nets. They haven't caught fish all night. But usually they're washing their nets because they caught fish. But they're being faithful to washing their nets when they didn't catch fish. They're being responsible when they're not being fruitful. People want to be responsible in seasons of uh, flourishing. But you have to be responsible in mundane seasons because when you're faithful with little, that's when God makes you ruler of much. you got to be responsible when people don't see you. And 
And, and what happens a lot of times is we try to flip it on God. We're like, no, it's up to God. God's like, I'm in partnership with you. This is not just up to me. This is up to you too. Be, take, don't blame me for the stuff you do. <laughs> don't blame me for the stuff you do. Don't blame me for what you just said. And just because you said in Jesus' name or called it a prophecy doesn't mean it came from God. And so uh, a lot of times what happens though when we get spiritual, we say, we want God to do the impossible. And I believe God can do the impossible and he's done the impossible in my life. But there's some situations where God doesn't need to do the impossible if we'll do the responsible. Because we want a miracle. But you might not need God to suspend the natural laws of the universe to heal your body if you'll just quit eating all that mess all the time. I know you'd rather say Shondo and in Jesus' name and right now heal me, but do you want God to do an event in your life or do you want to take a journey and say, no, I want to be healed. You're like, God, uh, I, I need a miracle right now in my healing. You need to eat, quit eating all them fruity pebbles. Captain Crunch, putting all them chemicals in your body, blaming Jesus for things that are showing up. You got sugar running through your veins, popping out your teeth in the form of the cavity. God, give me my teeth back. We'll quit eating all that sugar. And Dennis won't have to rip them out of your mouth in Jesus' name. It's easier to ask for a miracle than to walk in the miraculous. Because the miraculous requires that we take responsibility. I need, I need a miracle uh, in my relationship. No, you need to be responsible in your relationship. I need a money miracle. No, you need to go apply. God is not... You're sitting at home waiting for God to give you a job, and he's not going to give you a job if you don't go fill out an application. You don't need a miracle. You need responsibility. I need God to give me a second chance with her. No, you need to move on. You cheated on her three times. She needs somebody better than you until you get it straight. You don't need a miracle. You need to be responsible. See, all got quiet right there. I need a new car. You need to wash the old one first. I need a new house, but you don't even take care of your landlord's house now. Your kids have ketchup stain on the walls from three months ago. And if you don't know how to serve somebody else's vision, how will God then give you your own? If you can't mow their lawn, you'll never mow yours. I want a miracle, but you need to be responsible. Prepare to be responsible because the blessing of a miracle is that you continue to walk in the miraculous and you say, God, I'm going to take the responsibility for the blessing that you've given me. You need to be responsible with the time that God's given you. What are you doing this week? I don't know. We'll see. You need to have priorities and values and you need to plan. The excuse of, I I'm not a planner. I'm just walking this out by the Spirit. I do a little bit of this to myself. Like, people are like, hey, you want to do this? I'm like, I don't know. I got to feel it first. Like, when I walk into a restaurant, I got to walk around the restaurant. I got to feel it. I'm being led by the spirit. Like, this table might have a demon in it or something. I got to feel it. And like, ah, oh, this is the one right here. Every time uh, me and Canelo, wherever he is, we go to breakfast. He's like, hey, you want to go fill it out first? I'm like, yeah, let me fill it out. Just, Jesus, where's my table at? But it's, not, it's no excuse for 
planning. If you plan, plan your year, plan your week. What, where, where, where are your values? What, what, you say you value your family, well, plan to spend some time with them. You say you value your faith, well, plan to spend some time in your faith. You say you plan, uh, value your marriage, well, plan some things to do in your marriage. Have some babies if you want. Amen. My anointing's flowing right now. With your time, be responsible with it. With your talent, be responsible with it. God's given every one of us a ministry and a calling, and you are responsible for the ministry that God has given you. Matthew 25, 14 through 15 says, It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. He gives each of them an, a, a responsibility according to their ability. If God gives you a responsibility, it's because he's first given you the ability. God is not going to give you responsibilities that are beyond your ability. So if you're a single parent, take on the responsibility because God's given you a grace to be a single parent. And you'll be able to do twice as much as even a full home when you have the grace to do it. Whatever responsibility is on you in this season that is given from God, he doesn't give you a responsibility that he first hasn't given you a grace to meet that responsibility. Some of you might say, man, I could never go through that. But, but grace, is, grace and suffering is like a, a cup of water. And, and the water is at one level. And then life happens and the ice cube falls in and the tragedy falls in and the trauma falls in. And the, the water rises to the level of the weight. And grace will always meet us at the level of our tragedy. So the things that we couldn't actually uh, handle in one season, when it happens to us, God gives us a grace because he gives us an ability for the responsibility. That's why I can praise him through the storm. That's why I could say thank you, Jesus, because I have a grace to walk through this storm, thanking Jesus for his goodness and mercy that dwells forever. Be responsible with your time, with your talent. Be responsible with your treasure. Be a tither or a trither. A trither is somebody who tries to tithe. Try that. Be a good steward. Be an investor. Work to the best of your ability as unto Jesus, save, give, and let me encourage the men, I'm, uh, maybe at a women's conference, the, you, you can, the women can get challenged, but I want to do this specifically to the men. When you die, do not leave your kids a bill, leave them a check. If you don't have a life insurance policy, and I'm not an insurance salesman, do not leave your kids and your spouse to grieve and not be able to get out of the bed in the morning and have to go to work. Leave them a check, not a bill. Somebody should clap. If you don't have the health to qualify for life insurance, then let's get in health because we're not going to leave our kids a bill. We're going to leave them a check. I felt... I felt some people get convicted of that's not in the Bible. Be responsible, grow up. I buried too many people and watched their family cry and struggle because men have left their family behind but left them a bill and not a check. Be responsible with your treasure. If I die, my wife's going to cry, but she's going to be filthy rich. 
I'm worth more dead than alive. <laughs> so if something happens to me, I need you all to keep, a, keep an eye out and ask what happened, all right? Don't just believe the first story. Amen. Prepare to take responsibility. You're like, you know my kids can figure it out themselves. Okay, let them figure it out themselves. But don't make them pay for your headstone. You pay for your headstone. That was for the men. If the women want to do it, they can do it too. Oh, you, you being a sexist. Okay, women, then you get a life insurance policy too. Just don't let your husband know. Amen. <laughs> Number three, I'll close with this. Prepare to, prepare to recommit. Prepare to recommit. Amos 9.15. And I'll plant them. Plant them on their own land. They'll never again be uprooted from the land that I've given them. God, your God says so. I declare over you today that all of us have gone off course a little bit and we've all kind of strived at times to be or to get somewhere to do something, but it is important to have the character of Christ and to be a person of commitment who is planted because the fruit of Christ's life doesn't manifest in our life when we have no roots in the ground. The scripture says in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. There's two houses, one is on the rock and one is on the sand. Interesting thing about these houses is the storm comes no matter where you build your house. Rains on the just and the unjust. You can't avoid the storms of life, but what happens in the storms of life can be determined whether you build your house on the foundation of Christ alone as our cornerstone or on the cares of this world and the, the, the unsettled foundation of life. Psalm 92 says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedar of Lebanon. Plant it in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of their God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. First Peter 5.10, the guy named Simon, whose name means flaky, his name is turned to little rock, which is Peter. And Peter, the rock, from the perspective of Simon, who was formerly Simon, the flake, he says, and to the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, with him will himself come and restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Plant it and root it. I want to encourage you as things start moving in this season, you don't move with the things. Like, for example, like if it, a lot of times in Christianity, we think we're the people who's pushing the car. We're getting the car to go somewhere, so we're pushing the car. That's not how Christianity works. When you are in Christ Jesus, you're not pushing the car. You're in the car. And when you're in the car, you get the benefit of the power of the car. 
So everything's moving quickly, but while everything's moving quickly, forcefully, and powerfully, you're at rest and an unanxious presence because you're resting in the car. And things are going to happen so quick, but that's not going to make you anxious. That's going to make you rested because they're not happening quickly by your own might and power. They're happening quickly and powerfully by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're resting in His goodness while He's taking you on a journey that you couldn't otherwise achieve on your own. I hope you didn't hear me say today, you have to work harder and go faster. I hope you heard me today, rest in Christ, sit in Christ, trust in Christ, believe in Christ, and you're going to go places you can never take yourself, and you're not going to get tired. You're going to mount up with wings like eagles, and you're going to run and not grow weary, and you're going to walk and not faint. You're going to feel the strength of the Lord because this is not based off you. This is based off the goodness of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today and, and, and challenge some of you. We're beginning to read the one-year Bible. Get into your word th this season. And even when you're in the, the parts of the scripture where you don't understand the names. You're like, Lord, I don't know what this means and why, why a turtle dove just got sacrificed. That's a little weird. But commit to reading the scripture and letting the scripture read you. Make space in your life to let the word of God settle in your heart to give you an accelerated life. The average Christian or average church attender attends a Sunday service once every five weeks. Once every five weeks. If you attend once every five weeks, your children will not attend church in the future. You are the model, not the exception. And I want to uh, preach to you and challenge you today. Be committed to take a day to start your week by being in the house of the Lord. All my introverts, I know you can only handle so much. You don't got to do three services, just do one. And get yourself in the house of the Lord. And don't show up late to worship. Come and set the example and lift your hands. Especially if you're a believer. You show people how to worship. You got the new people showing you how to worship. They're like. And you, can, you, know, you know what happens? You got so Christianfied. That you're like, no, I get my worship on at home. No, I read the Bible, so I don't really need to hear. So it becomes optional, and you're no longer committed to a community. You're committed to your concepts. And you don't realize that you're discipling people, whether you're discipling people or not. You're just teaching them to go down a pathway that has no security on it. And so when, when the rain comes, and you tell your children, we're going to pray for you, like, I haven't seen you pray in two years. Let's go talk to the, email the pastor or somebody. I need somebody who really knows how to pray. I've, I've seen you cuss and fuss and spank me, but I've never seen you pray for me. Start your day. Learn to, learn to worship the Lord. Learn to open your heart in the presence of God and cry out to your Lord and Savior and Master and Father and say, look it, we're starting this week off Right, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to be here and we're going to be planted. We're going to set the pace. This is not optional. 
We need a community. We need to get in an environment that is, uh, uh, is preaching his word. And we need to get into an environment. This is not like, like let's go to the gym once in a while. This is let's go to the house of the Lord. And let's plant. This is not your grandmother's faith. Because your grandmother's faith will no longer last in this next year. You cannot ride her coattails any longer. This is your faith and your commitment to Christ and to the character of Christ. Grow up in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're doing a 21-day fast. It's not to make God love you more. I believe in a Jesus that loves for us to feast, not just fast. But... Some of you would be good to detox all of that mess out of your body. Because you're going to need that vehicle to fulfill the will of the Lord in your life. We have a, a journey called Emmaus. It's the next steps here. It's January 21st, 22nd. It's a Monday. Uh, it's a six-week journey. And maybe you've been attending this church or you're, you're just coming. And we want to invite you to, to take that next step and be a part of Emmaus. If you've never been a part of it and you're interested and you're like, you know what, I want to make a commitment today. I just want to see who you are. Would you just wave your hand at me real quick? God bless you. God bless you. Come on, give it up. God bless you. God bless you. It, it's online. You can, you can uh, the back of the QR code, you can sign up after today. Um, it, it, it's more than a, a, a sign up. It, it's you taking a step on the journey. I know people like decisions, like, you want to make a decision for Jesus? Yeah, I want to make a decision for Jesus. But a decision is a cuter word for commitment. Do you want to make a commitment to Jesus? Because you've seen the commitment that he's made to you. And I want to really prepare us to say, hey, we're not just going to talk about it this year. We're going to be about it. We're going to come out of hiding. We're going to let God take us somewhere and do something in our life. In order to do that, we need to make a commitment. We need to make a commitment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak over each and every individual that is here today as we are leaving 2023, stepping into 2024. The one thing that can change is the way we've been thinking. Renew our mind. Change our mind. Change our mind. Change our mind. Because if you change our mind, you change our direction.